would in your Bible to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. The question that's always working on all of us, among other things, is why don't more people get healed? And why more people don't get their prayers answered? And uh, so we're always, we're always turning that out because it's, it's not a hard thing, but it has been hidden and probably it needs simplifying more than it needs complicating. And in 1 John chapter 4, let's look in verse 16. Uh, and we have known and believed the love of God that hath to us, that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. That is so powerful. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. So we see there that love is a verb and the, the verb, the, the translation or the manifestation of love is not affection, it's boldness. And then he goes in verse 17, herein is our love made perfect, excuse me, verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. So I want to look at those three verses for a few minutes tonight and talk about uh, uh, the answer to fear. There's just a lot of fear going on. I don't know if you've ever seen movies, but uh, there was a movie uh, one time, uh, uh, with Tom Hanks in it, uh, I don't even remember. Maybe it was Big. That's way back. But uh, one of his one of his father's wives got on an elevator and it stopped, and the woman just went crazy. I mean, just just like uh, somebody in a cage, just started screaming and carrying on and tearing stuff up because they said, "I'm going to die. We're all going to die," and all that. And then you've you've seen uh, shows. Maybe you've experienced it where people just lost control because of fear. They were afraid they were going to die. Uh, if, if there's ever a, uh, you, you watch a, a mob that moves because there's gunfire over here or something happens over there, and they just are so fearful that they actually trample each other and, and don't care. We used to always joke about Rama going to Winter Bible where you learned about love, that we, this isn't that, but we always said they, everybody would stand close to the door and run over anything and everybody that, went, that was in their way to get down to the front so they could spend the week learning about love. It was quite a little paradox there. Uh, there is no fear in love, verse 18, but perfect love casteth out fear because fear hath torment. And I want to look at that word torment. Because if we need anything in the body of Christ, or if we need anything here at River Church, we need to be fearless. It's, it's not that when everything's going good, we're in faith and everything's great and we can believe God. But what do we do when there's something in our lives that's tender, that's vulnerable, that's open, that are kind of our kryptonite, as it were, that uh, we become impotent, we become powerless. I looked up the word torment in the dictionary, in a secular dictionary, and it means a state of great bodily or mental suffering. Torment. Because he said here, fear hath torment. So I'm going to go back from that side. Fear has more than that, but it does have torment. It means something that causes great bodily or mental pain 
or suffering. Oh, excuse me, I read that one twice. A state of great bodily or mental suffering, agony and misery. So torment is agony and misery. We don't experience that a lot in our day-to-day -day lives, but somebody that's in a medical condition or has mental issues or something, they might be tormented. It's a source of much trouble, worry or annoyance. A source of much trouble. Something has torment that just keeps coming at you. And lastly, uh, this was interesting in, as a noun, it's an instrument of torture, such as the rack or thumbscrews. It inflicts torment there. So in the Greek, the word means to punish. I was, I was so surprised. It means to inflict or to punish. And we get that from those words up there. So fear hath torment. So it's not reasonable. It's not logical. It's not uh, like, well, here's the problem. Here's the challenge. Here's the situation. Let's just develop a plan and take it out or deal with it or uh, put up with it, whatever. But torment takes us to another level where the logical, the, the, the levity, faith is out the door and your emotions are just downloaded into one place and you just lose it. If you've ever seen people in torment, they've lost it. And you, you, you can hardly do anything except just kind of grab them, cover them up and just try to hold on to them till they get through the torment. Have y'all seen somebody in torment like that? That's, that's, and so it's fear because the word says, uh, fear hath torment. So it comes out of fear. So we see the evidence. We should step back and say, that's fear. So uh, in 2 Timothy 1.7, you're pretty close there. But leave your thumb there if you want to. Or take your thumb with you, however. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. We know this verse very well. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear. Or we could say timidity. It's translated timidity. Uh, it, it's, uh, but of power and love and a sound mind. And different translations uh, take that power, love, and a sound mind, a well-disciplined mind, a teachable mind. But the spirit of fear is translated fear or timidity uh, or, sh or shyness in all of them. But the point here is, is that God hasn't given it to us. So he does, that's not a tool or a weapon that he uses to further our Christian growth. He never uses fear. And so you could say, you could look at a situation in your life and say, well, here's, here's this that's coming at me. Is this God? Is God using this situation to kind of nudge me into a, uh, where he wants me? Is there, is there a reason that this is happening that's heavenly? And one way we can always tell that is, does it steal? Does it kill? Does it destroy? But sometimes it, ra it rather seems neutral. It doesn't really have any attributes of, of the devil or, or, or evil. And so we would have to say, does it bring fear? And that's where we can always say, if, God, if you thought God puts cancer on you to teach you something, you'd have to say, well, how do I feel when I found out I had or when I meditate that I have cancer? or any problem like that. And you'd always have to say, I'm afraid. This is fearful. So then we could say, since God has never given anybody a spirit of fear, 
he's not the author of that, then we'd have to say that's of the flesh, of the curse, of the devil. So we know what to do with it. And you think here, you, we think, well, that's, that's, everybody knows that. Not everybody knows that. Lots and lots of people believe that God's, they won't say God's in control, but they'll say God allows things. I mean, I'm running into it all the time. God allows this, and therefore this situation, we don't need to get in faith about it because it's from heaven. It's God, and he's, he's walking us through this in order to get us somewhere better. And if we'll just stay with it and endure it and put up with it and accommodate it, well, it'll be okay. But it's fearful. It's fearful to know you have a diagnosis. It's fearful to know that they're going to come and take your car away or, or that uh, you're going to, you have troubles with your child's school or anything like that. It's got a fear motive because it moves us out of our comfort zone, our known zone, and says you're going to have to adjust. It's fear. We don't like it. So if you were just going to pick up the living room, straighten it up, you might gather up the basketball and the baseball bat and the vacuum cleaner and the laundry and move it out. But it still might not be clean. There might be dust and, and dirt in the carpet and in the corners and all that sort of stuff. Well, that's kind of the way we are. We've all picked up the big stuff. But sometimes what's, uh, what was uh, that thing of torment, uh, uh, suffering, agony, misery, here it is, worry or annoyance. And so it hides, it, it's benign, it hides in our life, a fear that hides in our life. For instance, we've always talked about this, that if you get a letter from the IRS, what is the feeling that you have? Oh, it's a refund, it's a, it's a, it's a payback, it's, it's, you know, hardly anybody thinks that way. It's like, oh no, I knew I fudged on my mileage, I knew I, you know, whatever, all the things that go through people's minds, because I've talked to them and they say, well, you know, I, I took a chance on this and they get that letter. And before they open it up they're, they're it's a fearful thing. So the spirit of fear that the that God has not given us, it's it's in and of the world. Fear is in the world. Fear is in the world. It is it is the air we breathe in the world. I don't mean that we are that, but it is, it's in the world. Would you all agree with that, that fear is everywhere and that people are fearful and a lot of the things that they say I will do and won't do is because of that. We see that in church. You start anything that's out of the norm, that breaks ranks in any way, there's a hesitation or reticence. It's fear. Like, what, why are we doing that? Because it's a risk. And if there's a risk, I'm afraid that it won't turn out like as good as we have it. So no risk. Uh, Romans 2.4 says it is the goodness of God that leads us to change, to repentance. So it's not the devil, God using negative things, excuse me. It's not the God using negative things, fearful things on us to get us to change. Well, I'm putting this on you. You know, uh, I, I talked about uh, that woman in West Texas that was such a soul winner. Wow. I mean, she just and you've seen these people. I, we all wish we were one. They don't want to talk about the weather. They don't want to talk about how's your new car. They want to talk about Jesus and they just get people saved and they're obnoxious. 
they're kind of obnoxious. They're just like, ah, this is so embarrassing what you're asking them and what you're doing. But then they turn around and get them saved and they're so happy. And you go, I wish I'd have done that. I wish I'd have been bold. Well, this woman was that way and she got cancer. Her daughter was in our church and uh, the mother was not. And so they shipped her off to MD Anderson down in Houston and true to form, every time she wasn't tied down to the bed for some treatment, she was in the hall getting people born again. So I asked that question. It's my model question. Who sent this woman? What, what, what was the cause, the origin of the cancer? Because it obviously turned out very well. And you go, well, God allowed it. You, 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 could, you could make a case that these people might not ever got born again. But then you have to consider that, that somebody might could hear God good enough to go down to MD Anderson without cancer and just make the halls and get them born again. In other words, you wouldn't have to have a heart attack to, go, to, to minister to cardiac patients. You could just go in there and never and have a perfect heart. So what's the question there? Well, obviously she went down there with a with a, uh, a prognosis on her life. You've got cancer. That's the reason you go to MD Anderson. And she made the best of it. So God takes what, you know, God will take what's meant for evil and he'll turn it for good. But he didn't cause her to have cancer. Or we're all in agreement with that. But not everybody is in agreement with that. And I, I have to, you know, I have to stop and debate that all the time about that woman because she had such fruit. But the truth is, she died. She died of cancer. She died of cancer in that hospital. I mean, they sent her home right before, but uh, it wasn't a lingering thing. She died. So you go, well, she went there, but she was winning them in Seminole. She was winning people to Jesus everywhere. And 7,000 people, there was enough there for her to work on. So we've got to settle in our hearts where fear comes from. And obviously, she was in fear. Everybody would rather be at the beach than M.D. Anderson or anywhere stuck in an elevator. John 10.10 says, steal, kill, and destroy. There's fear when someone comes to steal from you or to kill or to destroy. There's fear there because we're defending what's ours. We're defending uh, what we want. And Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. So if there's no fear, it's love. And if there's fear, it's that. If you would turn to... Isaiah chapter 54, and let's look at that for a moment. Old Testament, Isaiah 54. And we'll, well, let's look at a scripture that we look at all the time, that we quote all the time in our doctrine, in our, in our uh, faith life. Chapter 54, let's look in verse 14. This is a prophetic like most of Isaiah is, this is a prophetic thing. And the reason we can use it or that we can yield to it is because it's prophesying or, or uh, uh, speaking ahead unto us. It's, it's the, he's prophesying about the born-again man. So in 14 it says, uh, well, let's just see if we can go up any further. Okay, we'll just start in 14. In righteousness shalt thou be established. Thou shalt be far from oppression, for thou shalt not fear, for thou shalt not fear. Thou shalt be far from oppression, thou shalt be established, because thou shalt not fear. And from terror, 
for it shall not come near thee. So here he puts fear and righteousness together and, and, and draws a line to being established. So people could really know the Bible, and I know quite a few people that can quote many, many verses more than me and uh, are just practically fluid, but it could be that they have a memory that it's a mental thing. They could quote Shakespeare or something else. It wouldn't be necessarily biblical, but that wouldn't make them free from fear just because you knew the Bible. So he said, in righteousness shalt thou be established. So that's a key. Thou shalt be far from oppression, for thou shalt not fear, and from terror it shall not come near thee. The word terror there could be the word torment. Being established. And we talk all the time around here about being established, and here's how we say it. You got to know who you are before you know what you can do and what you can have. You have to know who you are. You have to be established. You got to find the root of the tree before you know what's going to come out next spring. You got to know where you are in the root system, in the grounding, in the establishing. Well, he says here, in righteousness thou shalt be established. Righteous is another word for saying authority. When you when you have when you're righteous, you you uh, you're you're dominating your jurisdiction. You have a jurisdiction. If you're a parent, you have a jurisdiction. You can't go you can't go next door and run those kids, but you can run all the kids in your house and you can go start the car and fill it up or change the oil anytime you want to because you have jurisdiction. You're righteous in your jurisdiction. You have authority. You dominate it. You dominate what you are righteous over or that you have jurisdiction. And so if you don't know who you are, if you don't know, you have the power to cast out devils. There's a whole bunch of people that don't want you talking about demons because they say, if you double dog dare them, if you say come out or if you mess with them, they'll attack you. And you sure don't want to mess with him. You want to just kind of walk, you just want to whistle down the sidewalk and pretend that he's not there. But that's not righteousness. That's not established. We don't care what he does because he's already bothering us. He should be chasing you and me all the time. Um, so we're not free. Let's see. Let's go back to 14. In righteousness thou shalt be established. Thou shalt be free. Thou shalt be far from oppression. We could look that up. We're not. For thou shalt not fear. You shall be established, for thou shalt not fear. You, you shall be far from oppression, for thou shalt not fear. And from terror, it shall not come near thee. So there's a sense in this verse of domination. You stand alone. And there's a perimeter around you that nobody from the, the dark world even crosses that. They're not climbing over you. They're not whispering in your ear. They're not tearing you down. They're not what we looked at there. Um, trouble, worry, or annoyance. They're not even that because you dominate your sphere of righteousness. You have a jurisdiction over your sphere. So you know, what do you know about sickness? Well, you never know what God's going to do. Well, you're not established there. Would that be right? Not established if you don't know who you are, you don't know what you can do. So you don't know if you can have authority over sickness. Well, that's a real troubling thing because we've laid hands on people. And apparently, for some reason, they didn't seem to get healed. And so that comes back at us and that shakes our foundation of thou shalt be established. But then we go back to the word 
And I, I am who he says I am. I did what he said to do. I released the power of God. It happened. Now, what they do with it or what happens after that, I got to have further instructions because I'm established in righteousness. You sow your seed, you have a, you have a righteousness that just said, this is changing my future. So uh, I wrote down righteousness gives you stability, security, and endurance. Righteousness gives you security because you know where the border is. You know what the boundary is. You know what the jurisdiction is. It gives you uh, uh, stability. It's not up and down. Well, the word might be working today. The word might not be working today. And it gives you endurance. We just go until we want to go a different way because we are established in righteousness. So that's why we do what we do at River Church. That's why we talk the things that we talk and, and don't talk about sin much because that's being, being afraid of sin or dominating sin, the acts of sin, the, the particulars of sin, don't do this and don't do that, does not establish you in righteousness. What establishes us in righteousness is the word. We're established in the word. So if we grow up strong and know who we are, then sin will lose its power. Sin will not be able to, to uh, have an effect on us. Whereas we're always swatting a mosquito, a, a gnat, or a fly. We're always, there, there's a gazillion of them, and we'll never, we'll never be established in that. So uh, let's see where I'm. I'm going back to 1 John uh, chapter 4, and in verse 7, it's uh, where we were a while ago. It said, uh, let's see, is it verse 7? No, excuse me, it's, it's 2 Timothy. Yeah, that's where I am. 2 Timothy 1.7. There we go. Uh, For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Now, I looked it up in the Amplified, and it says of timidity, of cowardice. So risk is going to involve, faith is going to involve risk. So sometimes we don't know, we might not know, is it fear or is it just intimidation to obey God, to get in faith and activate my faith? There's sometimes in faith, there's a little hesitancy. There's a little uh, one, two, three before you go. And it wouldn't be fear. But then on the other hand, it would be because faith just does it. Faith just says, I got it. Let's go do it. So the Amplified says of timidity, of cowardice, of craven and cringing and fawning fear. So that might nail a lot of stuff in our lives that's not overt. We're, we're not a fearful people, but we might have an area that only you or I know about in my life, your life, that we know if it trips that wire that we might not be strong. So we need to, we need, what would we need to do? We need to be established. Established in what? In righteousness. Who I am. Uh, that reminds me of uh, 1 Peter 2.24 where he said, uh, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin should live under righteousness. What does that mean? Should we should live as God lives. 
He's righteous. He's not in fear. He's not hesitant. He's not wondering what to do. Whose own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins, removed from sin, it has no power over me. Jesus solved the sin problem. Should live under righteousness. So he's talking about to be healed there. You need to be established. Someone needs to be established by whose stripes you were healed. Uh, see, I've got just a minute here. I looked up the word, uh, God has not given us a spirit of fear. And I looked up that word in the, in the Greek and the word, get this, it means faithless. God has not given us a spirit of faithlessness. So when we're born again, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead shall quicken your mortal body. So we got the spirit of faith on the inside of us. That's what's there. So torment or this craving and uh, uh, cringing and fawning fear would all be in our head. It'd be in our soul. Because we're sealed in the Holy Ghost down here. Uh, so someone that's faithless, let's just, let's just go a little further with it and quit there. Someone that's faithless, someone that's been given, that has a spirit of fear, didn't get it from God, but they have a spirit of fear. You could say they don't know what love has done and will always do. God is love, so they don't trust God. So it, would all faithlessness just be somewhere where we somehow unhooked from God and we, we unhook him from him because we're not established in righteousness. We don't know that he's the same yesterday, today and forever. We know it in our head, but we don't have a confidence that we should. So we're always shoring up our stuff. Um, so first John, let me go back to first John and then we'll quit back to first John chapter four. There's just a lot here. I just want to bring an awareness of it so that we'll, so we'll keep, stay on it. 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love. Well, God is in me. God is love and God is in me. So there's no fear in me. But perfect love casteth out fear. Or perfect love casteth out torment. Or faithlessness. So perfect love would be when you're established in love, established. God loves me. He loves me right now. There's nothing I can do, nothing I can not do that will change how much he loves me. I am loved by God. He's in love with me. So you have to meditate it, don't you? You have to, you have to kind of do a sort, a reboot, as it were, and get the things that are righteous, that are established, and get them forward when you're going through a time that fear has come after you. Fear has come after you. There's a prognosis. There's a, there's a situation. There's a uh, possibility or whatever. And we're living in a climate right now in the United States where everything is on the table, it seems like. And then there's Russia and China and North Korea and all the things. You, you could be so, we could be so intimidated by it if we weren't established. And I can tell you, the world is very intimidated by it. 
but we're not. Over and over, Deborah Ann and I talk about, got to read the back of the book, talking about the end days. And uh, you got to know how it turns out for us, no matter how it twists and goes. One last thing is I was meditating on this and I realized the key or the signal or the evidence or the the. Uh, what how would you know if someone is fearful? How would you know that? I mean, not that you could help them necessarily, but just to know you don't want to hook up with someone that's fearful when you think they're in faith. And I, I came up that uh, that the fearful, fearful, the faithless are easily offended. So if you, if you know anybody or if you yourself find yourself being tempted to be offended at people or events, which always go back to people, you, you'd say, well, they were easily offended because of unrighteousness. They don't have, they don't, they're not established in righteousness because they're not sure who they are. Anytime you and I are not sure who we are, we have a broken down jurisdiction we have a broken down establishment of righteousness. We're not really, really sure based on something we've done or not done or whatever, some guilt that God's going to pull through for us. And so we want to step back and cover some bases and have a plan B. And it's happened to all of us. Those people, we all are all in that, have been offended because someone uh, gives a little word to us. They, they slide us or chide us or or don't give us honor, whatever the reason that uh, an offense would come. And their little words seem true. In other words, if someone said something to you about you or something of yours that would be offensive, if it's not true, if you have your, your established in righteousness, guess what? It doesn't, it doesn't phase you at all. You know, they say, well, you got you got a house full of rats and, and cats or something that's just like, well, no, I don't. It's just not true. So you're not offended by it. But uh, I, I read uh, I'm going to read Psalm 112. We just have time for Psalm 112 tonight. I, I wanted to read you all of Ephesians chapter one, but we don't have time for that. It's so good. I mean, it's just what we're talking about tonight. But Psalm 112 if, if you can go to the Old Testament, it talks about the established believer. Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. So this is an established man. His seed, his children shall be mighty upon earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. Wealth and riches shall be in his house, and his righteousness endureth forever. Under the upright, there rises light in the darkness, he is, which means generous. He's gracious and full of compassion and righteous. A good man showeth favor and lendeth. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he shall not be moved forever. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. So he's talking about the established man here, established in righteousness, which is, I know who I am. Therefore, if I know who I am, I know I have power over demons. I know I have power over money. I know I have power over my tongue. I have power over my health. I'm established. He said, surely he shall not be moved forever. I'm established. So troubles, fears, 
uh, torments will come and torments will go, but his righteous, he will not be moved forever. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings in it for his heart. Excuse me. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. Well, I like that. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid until he sees his desire upon his enemies. He hath dispersed. He hath given to the poor. His righteousness endureth forever. His horn shall be exalted with honor. The horn there is a sign of strength or dignity. His dignity shall be exalted with honor. The wicked shall see it and be grieved. He shall gnash with his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked shall be perish. So the desire of the wicked, the wicked there are just the ones that are not established. They, they don't know who they are. So they don't know what they have. And they don't know what they can do. Every day, it's a political day for them. They're navigating their day. They're trying to see who they can favor with and who they can navigate around. Who's got what they need. How they can trick this person or coerce that person. Because they're maneuvering and navigating all the time. But we don't do that. We're not afraid of not navigating. We just stand. We're established in righteousness and it comes to us on every wave. It's a great life. It's a great life. Amen. So I, I uh, what, what does the word say? Uh, fear not. Fear not. Well, it's, it, it's kind of uh, the fear not there is kind of like, well, that's just something we can do. We can turn it on or turn it off. I'll fear or I'll feel not. Well, I'll turn off fear, so I'll fear not. But it's really down inside of us. It's more than just a decision you make. Uh, you got to reach down and be established. Amen. Amen. Fear not.